out on the internet that said, Pastors, don't forget you get an extra hour on Sunday. So we've been talking about thanks and giving equals thanks living as we go through that. And I told you I'd bring a little bit of humor your way uh, each Sunday. So uh, here we go. Here's our first little humor thing. Thanksgiving, when the people who are the most thankful are the ones who didn't have to cook. <laughs> it is a big task. And I really respect you ladies or and, and or men as you cook. I'm thinking about how they put everything together. Um, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm not a cook. I'm pretty good at the cleanup part, but how you make it all come out together, the mashed potatoes and the gravy and everything else that you put together is amazing to me. So if you do that in your family, you got my, you got my appreciation because it's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we're grateful for that. Uh, the second one here. Uh, the average time for eating a Thanksgiving dinner is 12 minutes, which incidentally coincides with halftime. <laughs> Especially if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? The afternoon game, you know, about 3.30, you know. When do you want to eat? When do you want to eat? Well, about 3.30 would be good. All right, 3.45. And the last one, a little joke for you. What do sweet potatoes wear to bed? Yammies. <laughs> oh, you're getting it now. Okay, it's coming. All right. So, uh, just a little bit of fun as we think about things. So we've been talking about 30 days of thanks, right? We kind of said this month, 30 days of thanks, that each morning we would think of something we could be thankful for, write it down. Each evening, nighttime, we would think of something that we're thankful for and that we would write it down. And uh, we've been talking about that. It's really, really been helpful to do that. So I ask you, how has your Thanksgiving, your Thanksgiving increased this week? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been helpful for me. Really, really grateful for that. Um, we said last week, let's thank the Lord for who He is. And amazing to me that on the next day, Dave Feenster pointed this out to me, the next day, the devotional in the Daily Bread was on one of the verses I used the day before. Just like that, right? Probably some others noticed that too, right? Amazing how that is. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Just the next day, we open up that devotional, and there it is, just what we went over on Sunday morning. All those verses, about eight times I took you through the Scripture, through the Old Testament, where it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We said also that we need to thank the Lord for His faithfulness. It's not, not just who He is, but for His faithfulness. And then, the next day in the Daily Bread, 31st, Tuesday, it's Psalm 62, because of God's faithfulness, David found care and help. Again, I don't make this stuff up. God brings it to me, and you probably noticed that too. And then thank the Lord for all the good gifts that come from Him. You have the chance to experience those even this week. Because we said this, daily thanks will lead to joyful thanksgiving. And I want to tell you this, the pastor who presented this great idea last week, found this 30 days of thanks very, very helpful. Very helpful. Thank you. And a number of you shared the same thing with me. Now, i I, I got to tell you this. I haven't been perfect. Nighttime seems 
I go to prayer list in my prayer list, I just don't remember. The other thing I found, I told you this, I need to work on praying before my meals. Still a problem. Still a problem. I don't think I prayed before I had breakfast this morning. I mean, I prayed. <laughs> I did my prayer time, my hour prayer time, but I didn't pray for my food and thank the Lord for that good gift. So, that guy that suggested last week, he's working on it. He's been very helpful, but he's got a ways to go. Maybe just like me. But let's keep after it, okay? Keep after it. 30 days of thankfulness. What God's going to do is we're thankful during this Thanksgiving season. His daily thanks will lead to joyful thanksgiving in our lives. All right, we're going to talk today a little bit different. Well, we're going to go off that. But here's my first thought today. Thanks leads Thanks leads to contentment. And I, I picked 1 Timothy. I'm going to use it a couple times here because uh, this is a verse that just stands out to me. For 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it's going to be up there on your screen. But from the Word of God, it's, as I would read it, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. There's something going on in the Ephesian church. Timothy's the pastor of the Ephesian church. There's something going on that God is guiding him to read, to write this for us, for them and for us. They're, they're having a struggle with this. God said, this is something you need to communicate to them. But godliness with contentment equals great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, excuse me, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. And we got one amen out of that. It's just honestly, it's pretty hard just to be content with just food and clothing. With all the things around us that God has provided in many ways, it's just hard to simply be content with them. But he says godliness with contentment equals great. Hebrews chapter 13 talks about contentment too. Again, God guiding this author as he wrote this. In verse 5, and we used this just last week, and we might even use it next week too because it's so right on. 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, there's, there's a, there's a comp contrast here. There's a contrast between the love of money and having a love for the Lord. Keep your life free from the love of money, but depend on the Lord. Now, I don't know if I've ever noticed that until this week. As a matter of fact, we even talked about it on Thursday or Wednesday when we did the study group. Was pointed out to me. There's this contrast that goes in this passage. Money will leave you, but the Lord will never leave you. So keep your life free from the love of money. The Lord is all you need, so make the Lord, not money, the love of your life. Or things, or possessions, whatever it is. Because they're all going to go away. 
they'll, they'll go away when you die. You won't take any of them with you. Well, now it happened at these funerals where they put some of their things with them. But that only goes in the ground. It doesn't go with them. Keep your lives free from the love of money, but have a great love for God. Make Him your priority. That's the important thing. In the uh, November 2nd Daily Bread, that would have been what, Friday? This would be the 5th, the 4th, the 3rd. It's a Thursday. In the Thursday Daily Bread, it talks about this same thing. It says this, Everybody worships novelist David Foster Wallace said, adding this warning. And I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but when I do, if you worship money and things, then you will never have enough. If you worship your body and beauty, you will always feel ugly. If you worship your intellect, you will end up feeling stupid. If those are the focus, if those are our loves, they will not satisfy. They will leave us. But the Lord will never leave us. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise for those that know Christ, are part of his life. I will never leave you. You can depend on me. Thank him for his faithfulness. Contentment, obviously, is being satisfied with what you have. It doesn't mean you, you want to move ahead in life, but you remain satisfied with what the Lord has provided right now. If I'm spending X, Y, and Z on a car, phone, TV, etc., because I just have to have the latest, does it take away from my loving the Lord? Does it take away from meeting the needs of my family? Does it take away from saving for the future? Does it take away my giving to the Lord? Because I have to have these things. You see, when we are thankful for what the Lord has provided, we will lead a contented life with what He has provided. When we're thankful for what He has provided, we will live a contented life with what He has provided. We'll see that as enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, my goodness. David, that's not so easy. In fact, that's pretty tough. But he's all I need. It's greedy people who live lives of discontent. More, more, more. I want, I want, I want, I want. Solomon spoke to that in Proverbs 3 said this, the leech has two daughters, give and give. In some versions, it's more and more. The leech has two daughters, saying, give, I want, I want, I want, more, 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 I want. Four, three are never satisfied, four never say enough, shield, the barren woman, three, the land never satisfies the water, and the fire that never says enough. May we never be that people who say, more, 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 concerning the things and possessions of this world. Give, give, give. I want these things. As I thought about this passage, it reminded me about Tuesday night. Tuesday night was Halloween night. Kids were coming to our house. We had little gospel tracts that we had that we passed out here. We would meet together on Sunday afternoon. And a little boy, I'd say he's probably about five, maybe four. I don't know. He's a little tiny. Probably as tall as me. Little, little guy, and he's got his little bag, and I take that gospel track and I put it in there, and then um, I, I would give a you know pretty generous hand of cash, 
candy, four or five pieces, and I put it in there. I, I put it in there, and he boldly and suddenly reaches into my bag and says, one more.
he knows that some have put their eyes on money and it's taken them away from having their eyes on Jesus. And he says, don't do that, my friend. Don't do that, Scott. Don't do that majestically. Keep your eyes on him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added unto you. The things that you need, God will take care of them for you. You see, because when we're content, we won't go this direction as Paul instructs Timothy to instruct but he goes on. He goes on. It says in verse 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee the things that would distract you from following the Lord Jesus Christ. Love of money. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfast, gentleness. And then going on as he picks up this theme of giving and, and contentment. As for the rich, in verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, that's us. That's who we are. Comparatively to the world, you know, we are charge them not to be haughty, proud, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, they'll fly away, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, contentment. They are to do good. We are to do good. To be rich in good works, to be givers, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is what we're to do. We rich people. We're to be good in good works. We're to be givers. We're to do good with it. We're to be generous and ready to share it. In that, we store up treasure in heaven for us that will be ours someday, but certainly we'll also never. See, when, when you live contentedly, you'll have more to give away in this age. Right? When you live contentedly, then you don't have to have the titanium iPhone 15 and then the plastic 16 or whatever comes up next, right? When you don't have to have that every year, you may not be wrong to do, but I'm just saying, if that's not what you have to do, you're able to save and to give because you have ability. save and give away. 
And he's saying here, sir, you need a little bit of self-discipline so that you have money to do the things that you really need to do. See, it takes discipline and self-control to live contentedly so that you have the ability to give away and to save what you need contentedly. Many years ago, Larry Burkett, who worked with Dave Ramsey, they did some things together, came up with this call. He called the maximum standard of living. And some of you are already on that. I understand that. You're retired people. Okay. But the maximum standard of living, it says this, as you're growing in your wage earnings through the years, you choose to stay right here in what you spend way back here rather than continue to go up and spend what you make. You choose to live here so that you have what God provides in extra income so that you can give it away and you can save it. A maximum standard of living. It works. Because if you do that, especially you who are younger, if you do that, it's, it'll be easy once you learn how to tithe and you give. It'll be easy because as your wages increase, you're able to give away more. And so pretty soon you can give 20%. Pretty soon you can give 30%. And pretty soon you can give 40%. Why? Because you chose to live at this rate even though your wages went up. It's a great way to live. We've practiced it for years. To live here. To enjoy life here. But to be able to say, these things you're giving to me, Lord, now I can give them away. And I know others, many of my friends, are living this way. I'm going to live here in a very modest, contented way. But this gives me the ability to continue to give and to continue to give and to continue to give. And I guarantee you there's probably some people out here that have been living that way for years. If you didn't know, Larry Burkett came up with this idea. But you can give more away. And you can meet the needs of people. You can support missionaries. They'll be a part of their lives because you chose to live this way. It takes discipline self-control to be able to do that. But it is worth it. Now, some of our younger families here, if you probably had a conversation with some of our older families that are here, I'll bet you some of them would give you some wisdom. And they would say this, we didn't save enough and give away enough when we were younger. Now, maybe it wouldn't be here, but if you went out and talked to the world, I guarantee you'd find it. But I think you'd find out even from some Christians you would find them to say, I've learned some things that I should have done when I was younger that would have benefited me later. Because, think about this. Is there anybody here that's not one paycheck from heaven and losing the next paycheck? We're all there. I mean, some of you are retirement, I understand, but what if your company shut down? What if the government decided to shut down? It could happen. Which one of us is not one paycheck from not having a next paycheck? And many who live, we know, paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, and they make great money. But they live paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because they want more. They want more. They didn't learn to live more freely. That grows in their hearts. See, contentment. Thanks, Jesus. 
everyone can be generous with their time, talents, treasures. My friend Gary Hope, he calls himself the generosity monk because this is what he works in. Going across the world, helping Christian organizations to be good with their finances and to handle things and to be generous with them and to help these in, in third world countries to be able to see that God is providing for them and they can use that for the kingdom's sake as they handle it well. But it's interesting that in a little note he sent a while back, he said that he had opportunities to speak. I think he might have been in the Philippines. He said, it was a privilege to speak, but more than that, to learn from other international national speakers. Among them, the chair of the board of an organization, Christian organization, spoke of our stewardship of time, talent, treasure, and testimony. Listen to what he said. I had never heard that last word, testimony, is included in a part of stewardship, and I loved it. And I hadn't either. We always talk about talents, treasures, and what's the other one? Time. Okay, thank you. Help me. <laughs> I can read you. But I've never heard that either. Testimony being in there. That's, that's a stewardship thing. Our testimony to the world is a stewardship issue. He goes on to say this. It's a proclamation of the gospel and how God's gracious generosity and of God's gracious generosity and proof it's connected to our testimony. When we follow through in living generously and testifying to God's faithfulness, we meet needs and discover experientially that those who trust God are not disappointed. You see, because if you give, you will what? You'll gain. If you give, you will gain. If you hold on, you rob yourself of the blessing, others, and, and the blessing of God. But the more you give away, the more you gain. Jesus tells a story of looking out and being near the temple. And he sees the rich people putting in all their bags and everything else in the offering box that was there. And he sees that widow with her two little coins. And she gives, and he says to them, She's more blessed. She has my favor because she gave everything she had, and she didn't do it pretentiously either. She did it very quietly, but the Lord noticed. See, when we give that way, we gain. She trusted the Lord. The Lord was her provision. He didn't say we should all just give away everything we have right now. He didn't say that. He just said... For her, this is an example of generosity. She's living a contented life. God is going to take care of her, even in the hard time as she gave all that she had. And the Lord noticed, and he recognizes that. And he says, she is the one who has my favor. Now, thinking of that, interestingly, on Monday, Open Windows talks about generosity. The title is, A Generous Heart. I don't make this stuff up. Okay, God just does it. Here's what the author says. What I've discovered is that the answer to fear over my finances is generosity. When I'm overly concerned with having enough, it is the right time for me to make sure someone else has enough. Giving is a heart issue. And then her prayer. Father, give me a generous heart. said, okay, Lord, this is all I got. 
I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to trust you that you will meet my needs. And that's what we need to do. As we give, we give with generosity. The gospel records three times Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This true story. This young rich ruler comes to Jesus, and what must I do for eternal life? I've kept the commandments. I've done all the things you're supposed to do. And Jesus says, there's one thing that you need to do. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. The man went away sad. Disheartened, the word says, by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Would he have to sell everything? I don't know, but I know the Lord was asking him, where's your heart? Are you, would you be willing to do this? Because these things are preventing you from following me. They're more important to you. You love these things more than you will love me. You see, when we have that attitude, we will go away sad. But I guarantee you'll go away glad. Because you'll never live with contentment and you'll never be generous to anyone else. Be generous. Because that's what he says, Paul says to the Corinthians, he collected an offering to be able to support him and to support the, the um, needy people in Jerusalem as there was a, dra uh, a, drama, a famine and the drought. He says to them as they took this collection, he says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgivings to God. If you want to have a joyful thanksgiving, then give generously to those around you. How could you do that? Well, you do the Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Take a few of those boxes. You know, it costs you a few dollars to do it. But what a joy that would be to be able to see that, to see the gospel as it's in that box, the gospel to go forward, to work through a church, and to get into the hands of these children and their families. You could do the Colorado Missions offering, which we just promoted it this morning. You could support the Caring Pregnancy Center, Pueblo Rescue Mission, Crazy Faith Homeless Service. You could give a gift to Sandra Lee for the Samaritan First in the Middle East or Maui disaster that's taking place there. You could give a goat or a chicken or a cow to the World Vision Compassion Samaritan's Purse. I had somebody in our church ask me about that the other day. We've got the Christmas catalog out here. They're in the magazine rack out here. You change somebody's life by giving a goat and a chicken in somebody's name as we do at Christmas time now. I told my family a long time ago, I don't need any more food. I don't need another Texas Roadhouse gift certificate. Somebody does. Somebody really, really cares about that. You can go online to Samaritan's Purse or World Vision or Compassion. And you could do this to somebody. $30, $40, $50, you could give a water system to a, to a whole town. But you like to give money. You want to have a great Thanksgiving? Give away to your neighbor. Or be involved in somebody's life. You could start, you could start supporting a child.
That's his prayer. We prayed it last week. If you join me, and I'm going to ask Todd and Tina to come to the stage if we ever work supper. But it's just powerful. Again, I think it's worth praying in the spirit of God's grace to us. If you join me. Father, you are the giver of all good things. Thank you for all you have given to me. I ask you to teach me to be a giving person as I seek
this mind.